0: What's up, independent agents? Are you driving your clients off to the carrier self-servicing platforms after the sale just to minimize your service demand? Stop doing that with the Premier Mobile and Web Agency Solution Glovebox. Now you can keep your clients in front of your agency at all times all while delivering the carrier self-service experience that will minimize your service costs and absolutely wow your customers. On top of that, Glovebox will help you increase your cross-sales, referrals, and overall retention with an easy-to-use policyholder interface. Trust me, guys, we're using this at Portal Insurance, and this is literally happening. We are selling policies and servicing policies through our app. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today and be sure to mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your subscription for the life of your account. Guys, it's so cool that I can tell my clients, download the Portal app. Thanks,
1: Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services. Based out of Huntsville, Alabama, and before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six-foot-three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama. Parade first-team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley?
0: Working from home today, Scott. Working from home.
1: Bradley Flowers. I am so happy to be here today, guys. This is part two of the Jessica Miller podcast, where we stop talking. As I said last time, as Jerry Clower said, now it's time to damn learn some damn insurance. And that's where we are on this podcast. So buckle your chin strap, make sure your mouthpiece is in, because we have got part two of personal line sales. And if you don't make every damn account manager in your office, listen to this, Excuse me, every producing agent that in personal lines in your office listen to these two podcasts, then you have officially lost your damn mind. I will just say that, Bradley. We have got big news to report today. As you know, we are the Fox News and CNN of the independent and captive insurance channel. Before we go any further, I feel like a proud father today. Okay, now, Bradley. Let me let me tell you what I'm talking about. And as soon as I say it, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Our friend and great American, Mr. Alex Salmon, South Carolina Allstate agent, wakes up one morning after eating a bad piece of pizza, and he says, my passion is photography and video, and I am going to get out of the insurance industry, and I'm going to go follow my passion. And Bradley... I think if we'd had him on the podcast and maybe, maybe we should, this podcast started that journey a couple of years ago when we were talking about social media, recording, getting out there, doing video. And he kind of fell into that and started doing uh, some of that stuff and woke up and said, you know what, this is my passion. This is what I was born to do. And I personally, I'm so proud to, that he has followed that passion. You know, when people follow their passion, guys, the chances of them not being successful are very small. Yeah, Bradley, would I, you like th- to add to that?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's important to note that the person that stays in a role because they are – and I'm not saying this is the case with Alex or was the case with Alex, but the person who stays in a role because of external mm-hmm. pressure in worrying about what people are thinking about them – is far less successful than the person that follows their passion, regardless of where the money is in that scenario. If you can take care of your family and you're doing something that you love and are passionate about, I'd rather take that all day long than take the guy or the gal that's making $300,000, $400,000 and hates their life. So I saw that post this morning and was very, very, very proud of him for taking that jump and know that he's been trying to take that for, for a year or two. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best.
1: Absolutely. Guys, this is part two of the Jessica Miller podcast. I'm not even going to introduce her today. You, if you need to, go back and listen to part one. This is personal line sales. And as my friend John Franks once said, we're going to get the hay down where the goats can get to it. <laughs> That's what we're here for. I want to start this podcast out with another Jessica Miller phone call like shooting doves off a power line for her. She sold yesterday. Yesterday was August the 5th. She ended the day yesterday. This is one day's green new business, $9,443.57 and green new premium for just yesterday. So congratulations to you, Jess. How are you today?
2: I'm great. Thank awesome. you.
1: Well, let, let's go ahead and get, get to the getting, okay? As I've told you guys, the speech making's over. It's time to learn about selling insurance, and that's what we're going to do today. So what I have for you guys today, another Jessica Miller phone call. Listen to, t- to pitch. Listen to tonality. Listen to what she says and how she says it. And when we're done, I have some very interesting critiques of this phone call. Here's... We should be- find
0: phone calls of the worst employees we've had work for us and compare them to Jessica's.
1: Would not be difficult. <laughs> would not be difficult. I think I may do that. Hold on, guys. Here we go. I think go, you man. might
0: get sued, too, so just be <laughs> prepared. Hello? Yeah, this-,
3: it is. this is Jessica Miller. I am calling from iProtect Insurance Agency here in Athens. I'm calling to touch base with you. We just sent a few things out to you over the last year, but it's probably been at least a year since I tried calling you. Um, we're a brokerage agency uh, for home and auto insurance, and we've recently added some new carriers. And I just wanted to check and see if that was something I could help you with and maybe send you some updated auto or home insurance quotes. Okay.
4: Let me ask you a question. You're a brick and mortar in
3: Athens? Yep. Yeah, we've got four brick and mortar agencies. We've got one in Florence, one in North Huntsville. I run the one in Athens, and then we also have one in Priceville. Okay.
0: Good I response. Who
3: did you say you were? Yeah, the name of our company is iProtect Insurance. Okay.
4: <laughs> How did you find out about me?
3: Well, I actually took care of your insurance. I used to work for insurance services, and I took care of your insurance there and had your information here. Um, I've got you off of Oak Leaf Lane and had sent you a couple things after I moved here to iProtect just to see if I could take care of your insurance. So I just wanted to touch base with you over the phone just to see if that might make it easier. Okay. You know, I usually hang up on everybody.
4: Talk, talk, talk.
3: I understand. Oh, trust me, I've gotten a lot of hangups. I, so, trust me, I understand that. I just, like I said, I used to take care of your insurance when I was working at. um, And we've got a lot of the fan carriers here. We worked with Progressive and Allstate, Travelers, um, Safeco, Liberty Mutual, Foremost. We wrote with a lot of the fan carriers that we did at. So, I just wanted to reach out to you to see if that was something I could take care of for you again.
4: Uh. Absolutely. I'm at, I'm at work, and I'm I'm gonna be working for the next forty-eight hours.
3: Oh, bless your heart. Okay. Will you tell me when's a better time to cut to touch base with you? I don't want to bug you while you're working, or get you in trouble, or anything. Uh,
4: maybe Monday. I'm. I, 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 okay. I it, by chance, I, uh, uh, I'm looking for for insurance people. Uh, okay. Uh, reason why I was I called again to uh, begin with was that uh, i gotten old enough that I've lost everybody that used to take care of me I oh, any, Michael. I did insurance business with three or four different companies yeah and nobody i don't know anybody that it, it, you know I've had the insurance license myself how do you okay I didn't
3: know that
4: and uh i i you know I know a little something about the business and, okay uh, I, I I know when somebody wants to keep, is' trying to help me and who what
3: Yeah, it's interesting. You can pick up on that pretty quick after being in the in the insurance industry. <laughs> yeah. So, I understand oh, that, absolutely. Well, you let uh, me know what works best for you? Like I said, I'm more than happy. I mean, if you're happy where you're at, then that's awesome. But I I just, I remembered I, your name and I remember taking care of you. So I would just love the opportunity to at least quote it for you and just see if I could find you something better. I'm not
4: happy. But, uh, okay. I'm not in a position to you know, do business right now. So yeah. Call me, uh, call me, uh Tuesday afternoon okay. at 3 p.m., okay?
3: Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. You got it. I will give you a call then and put it on my calendar, okay? I will
4: give you another telephone number
3: to call. Okay, what's that phone number? 256.
0: Can I give my synopsis? Please. Three things. One, his question about the brick and mortar was a very, very big curveball that you handled beautifully because uh, he was trying to make sure you weren't in China. Mm-hmm. Um, not there's anything wrong with being in China. It makes sense that he knows insurance and has been in the business because he knew to ask that question. That's why it was a curveball. Most people don't. As someone who sells insurance similar to you guys all over the country, people hardly ever answer ask that question anymore. Two, the two things I saw that you did or heard that you did really well that I feel like most of your hardcore cold collar, shove it down their throat, Grant Cardone style would not do is you empathized with him. There's two things that came up that you empathized with him. One was when he mentioned the cold, you know, I get a lot of calls and I hang up on people, the inflection in your voice and the way you respond. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I get it. I understand. Duh, 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 you know? And then two, when he mentioned working 48 hours, you empathized with him. Whereas a lot of your, your salespeople w- and this is kind of what I tell New hires, like you can't hard sell people in insurance because you have to maintain that relationship with them. Where where most salespeople, I think, would have gone wrong in that scenario is they would have said, "Okay, well, look, it's only going to take five minutes. Get it set up right now. We'll do it real quick, and then you can go back to work, and we don't have to call you back in two days." And that's a bad way to start a relationship. So those are the things I thought you did well.
1: So here's the first thing that I noticed, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have part two of insurance sales personal lines style. The first thing I noticed Bradley, and this Uh is something that I've been working on myself and I'm trying to break this habit and I'm Uh going to encourage every single personal lines agent out there to stop doing this. And I brought this up to Jess. As soon as I heard this phone call, Jessica has somehow trained herself to stop asking the question, how are you today? Mm -hmm. How are, how are you doing? And I am horrible at that. I will call somebody up. And the reason that is so good and why I'm telling people to stop doing that immediately, do not ever do that again. Never talk to a prospect. Now guys, remember, we're talking about prospects here. We're not talking about clients. We're talking about prospects, but when you ask a prospect, how are you doing today? You have just lost control of that conversation Mm -hmm. because here's what they're going to say. Well, I'm not doing well at all. My sister's got COVID. I've got bladder cancer. My grandkids in the hospital right now. You know, I've got my husband's thinking about divorcing me. And by the time they get through telling me all the reasons they're not doing well today, Bradley, I don't even remember why I called them. They say, well, why'd you call me? And I'm like, hell, I don't remember after hearing about all that. I don't know why I called you. Yeah. And I will tell each and every person out there, again, we're talking about prospects. We're not talking about clients. You have got to stop asking, how are you? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mr. Johnson, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Well, Scott, I'm not doing well at all. Uh-oh. I'm not doing well at all. My wife's in the hospital with COVID right now. What, what do you need? That she did a fantastic job of that. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to have part two of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I said something a few weeks ago on our glove box podcast about having confidence, Mm -hmm. not having that, uh, servant mentality again, guys, I'm talking about prospects. We need to have the servant mentality once they become a client, Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you right now, if you're calling prospects, prospects want to hear confidence. Prospects Mm -hmm. want to hear this person knows their shit. This is somebody that I need to call back. Mm -hmm. That's what they want to hear. When we get into the servant mentality of sales is once they now become Mm -hmm. a client and we need to, we need to have that servant mentality. We need to ask them how they're doing. Ms. Johnson, how are you doing today? Tell me about you. But that's when, they, that's when we, we got their business. That's when yeah. we've already got them. Right. Jess, would you like to add to any of this? This is your show. We're just running it.
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't really. Um, I appreciate all the comments. Um, I do remember that phone call very well. Um, it was just recently, obviously. But he's um, a client that I did have prior to coming to iProtect. But I also feel like to your point, you know, I think it's just out of habit. I think it's just part of an easy conversation that you call somebody and say, hey, how are you today? And it doesn't, it'll eventually come to that if you're having the right conversation, if you approach it the right way. And like you said, coming um, in with confidence, but also just being assertive enough that you maintain control of that conversation with the potential client. I think that they can sense that in your voice without you coming across as lazy I just think that it's, it's good to just come across just, hey, I care enough, but I'm here to talk to you about business, you know, and then we can get into the personal stuff once I explain myself and tell you why I'm calling and we can have that conversation.
0: Well, then also, too, if you get someone who's really, really busy and you waste their time with, hey, how are you doing today or, or what are you working on or what are you struggling with most in your business? A quote I, I, I've heard one time is anybody that doesn't have time has money.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's
0: a really good indication. If somebody doesn't have the time to sit there and have a conversation with you, they're probably someone you actually want to have as a client. So I think by skipping that, you you lend yourself to some good conversations with those people as well. Not that I'm an expert on any of this. I, I wasn't trying to say I was a few seconds ago. That was just my interpretation of the things you did right.
1: So, no, I appreciate that. so Jess does the great job of disarming prospects. That's, that's a little of what you heard right there was a disarming of a prospect.
0: And when she gets that the little bit of pushback, gonna... she doesn't, she's not receptive to that pushback. Right. Like, like most people, when they get that little bit of pushback, they would just wilt like a flower in the summertime. It sounded like Scott Howell. Well, I
2: think to that point. Yeah. I think that that's such a, and that's not something that I learned overnight. That's, I mean, I've been doing this mm. 13, 14 years. I, because your initial response is just to cave and say, okay, well, thank you for your time and move on. But you really have to. And again, it comes back to what Scott said about just maintaining your confidence, why you're calling, explain yourself. Don't feel like you have to be rushed. Don't let them navigate that conversation and feel like you have to rush through it and hang up, you know, just, yeah, just relax, take your time and explain yourself. And that usually works in your favor.
1: Chris Voss says that, He is what was the lead negotiator for the FBI for hostage negotiation. He wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. And he talks about once you get on the phone with whoever the negotiator is on the other side of the hostage situation, the very first thing you have to do is try to slow your heart rate down. Slow your heart rate down. Enable yourself to think as you're talking and asking questions and saying what. He has scripted, and and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So here's a couple of things I want to tell you guys. This is for all the the, uh, associate agents out there that are writing personal lines insurance. The very first question that you need to ask a prospect. Now, there's two iterations of this question, right? There's two iterations. First one, somebody is calling the office. We haven't cold called them. They're just calling in. They're just calling in to get a quote on insurance. Very first question needs to be, why are you calling us today? What has you calling us today? It needs to be uh, done in a way that's not off-putting. It doesn't need to be. Why are you calling us today? That's not the tone and the pitch that you want to use. It's, Mr. Johnson, what can we do for you today? Why why are you calling us today? It needs to be more of that tone and pitch, but then you need to shut the hell up and listen to what they're about to say next. Don't say anything else. If it is a cold call, if it is a cold call return, Jessica gets 30% callback rate on her cold calls. So it's somebody that's calling you back, back. Hey, Jessica, this is Samantha. You left me a voicemail on my phone. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for calling us. How can we help you with your insurance today? What kind of issue? You want to get to why they're having issues with their insurance, why they're calling you back.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: a lot of times that may just be priced. Well, I'm paying too much for insurance. But it may uncover something deeper than that. It may uncover, I just had a claim problem with State Farm or Travelers or whoever. And it almost
2: it, always does.
1: Um, right. it, it's yeah, It's almost
2: always more than just price.
1: Exactly. It, I, I think we, removed.
0: as salespeople, sometimes we just assume that everybody's calling for price. And yep. a lot of time, like, I want to know the scenario. What's the situation? My mother-in-law last night had somebody she wanted to refer to me that had an asbestos roof, which is one of those things that we could do, but we're not necessarily jumping, you know, busting at the seams to do. And I said, well, what's the situation? Why, why do they want to get a quote from me? And- She was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, because if they're calling around and getting quotes, I'm not going to be the agent for them on this because we're going to have to insure this asbestos roof correctly and the rate's going to be $4,500. But if they are wanting to get a quote because they've had trouble getting insurance elsewhere and they want to make sure their roof is properly covered, I'm their guy. And so I think a lot of times it's really good just to get that situation
1: yeah, the second question I was going to bring up to very quickly find out who you're dealing with. Uh-huh. To find out what type of client you are dealing with. Number one is why why you know, why are you calling us today? What what can we do for you? And why are you calling us? Uh-huh. But again, you've got to be careful right there because if you're bitchy snippy snappy with that question, you're going to put them that's going to be off putting for some people. So you have to be very careful in your pitch and your tonality and how you say that and make sure that you're not making that sound like, what the hell are you calling me for today? And
0: price is a factor in every every transaction. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there's things that can make price less important in the transaction. For example, yeah, I'm price shopping today, but my agent also is a jerk and he never returns my calls okay, Mr. Johnson, I'm $500 more, but I'm not going to be a jerk and I'm always going to return your calls. Okay, let's do it. Yeah,
1: so somewhere in that that initial conversation, now I will argue that most people do not mind spending 10 to 15 minutes one time on the phone with an insurance agent like Jess, who is very knowledgeable, who's asking good questions, who is trying to find out whether they can help them or not. After that, most people would prefer, and I only speak for myself, but I think I'm like everybody else out there. I prefer, for the most part, for Jess and I to go back and forth on text message. I like text messages. I can do it while I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. But that initial first let's get to know each other call, here's another good question for you guys to put in your arsenal. The question is, and this is going to have to be somewhere blended in with all the other questions you're asking. I wouldn't ask those two questions back to back, but somewhere, maybe even towards the middle to the end of the phone call, I would say when you hear the word insurance, hey, Miss Johnson, I got a question for you. This is going to sound a little strange, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When you hear the word insurance, do you think of protection or price and then shut up? And if they say price, well, that may be somebody that you now know mm-hmm. is very price driven. They're not as yeah value driven as they are price driven. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are two fantastic questions. Would not would not say those two back to back. I would blend that second question about And remember, guys, I always say the word protection first. There's a reason psychologically that we're going to say the word protection first. You think about protection or you think about price? Blend that in somewhere else in the conversation. Third question, third thing I would say, this goes to disarming prospects. Again, guys, we're talking about prospects. We are not talking about clients right now. That's another conversation for another day. But before we make them clients, We have to deal with them as prospects, right? So here it is. They say they're just looking. Well, I'm just looking. We've all heard it a thousand times. I'm just looking. I'm just looking around. So one way to disarm a prospect is if they start asking about prices or, you know, just just in the middle of the conversation. I'm not sure you should go with us yet. I'm not sure. I need to gather some more information to figure out whether you even need to be in our agency or not. Mm-hmm. That is counterintuitive to everything you've ever heard in insurance. But I'm telling you, it, when you say that to somebody, it's like telling the, the hot girl at the at school when you're in high school, I don't know if I want to date you or not. What does that do? It makes her want to date you. And it is counterintuitive to anything you've ever heard in the world of insurance, I'm not sure. You should go with. I'm not sure we're a good fit yet or not. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but let me ask you a few more questions, and we'll figure this thing out together. That is a question that 99.99999% of insurance mm-hmm. agents have never thought about saying, but could psychologically in that prospect's mind make them go, "Well, damn, I don't know if they want me." or not. I mean, y'all,
0: like that, like them. that guy right there that we just heard. If you say that to that guy,
1: he's going to show you that he belongs at your agency. Right. Right. He would be a great one to say that to. Yeah. Hey, and have, you, have ha- you
0: closed him yet? If not, maybe you could do that. And, and we could, we could Court sort it, it, it back. It. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I have not yet. No, I'm still working on it. He's got several car games, So sure.
1: I'm still, yeah, we're
2: supposed to close at the end of this month. So.
1: So next thing I want to talk about guys, again, we are talking personal lines insurance today. We are talking with one of the top one percent of personal lines insurance agents in America. We are talking to a person that could work in any agency that would go to work and could go to work for anybody listening to this show right now. If she walked in your office tomorrow afternoon and she said, Hey, I hate Scott Howell, he is a son of a bitch. In fact, I just I've been wanting to move to Connecticut anyway. I've been wanting to move to Wisconsin anyway. Would you mind if I come in there and sold insurance with you? You would get down on your hands and knees and beg her to come in and sell insurance with you. I will promise you that. She is that good. So with that being said, let's move on to follow up. We have made the prospecting call. They have called back. We have gone through our script. We have asked some of these really good questions along with finding out more about them to figure out what their true needs are, not just matching up what they've got on their current deck pages, because all of us know about 78% of the time, what they've got is probably not what they need. Or since that agent handled their insurance, they've had life-changing events And now things are different, right? They've had Bradley Flowers. If I'm Bradley Flowers' agent in October, I need to call him. You know why? Because September, Bradley Flowers is having a baby boy. Mm -hmm.
0: That's where Donna for agents will help you.
1: right? Correct. Yeah, it it would. It would help you.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, too, as insurance agents, too, a lot of times when we see a deck page that we know does not match that customer's risk profile, we tend to default to I'm not going to say bashing, but I'm going to say bashing the current agent, uh, where, in fact, we need to take into consideration the fact that we probably have clients in our book of business, that it's not that we wrote the policy wrong, it's that their risk profile has changed over the six years they've been with us. And a lot of times in those scenarios, we'll say, hey, you know, nothing against your current agent, they didn't do anything wrong here and explain explain what I just said. They just probably haven't done a great job of following up with you and making sure that everything was correct, which, to be honest with you, is the status quo of the insurance industry. We don't do that in our agency. Here is what we do, and kind of differentiate without saying you have the terrible agent. And a lot of times that goes a lot further rather than saying, "Oh, you need to get away from them."
1: Correct. So I want to ask Jessica Miller what her follow-up process is for all you agents out there, but before I do, there are three. Types of people, I think I said on a previous uh, podcast, there were four, there's actually three, three types of people that you are going to be in a a hostage negotiation situation with. Now, what I, what I refer to as the hostage negotiation situation is you are the insurance agent. They are the hostage taker. And you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do. And they are trying to get you to do what they want you to do. So this is no different than a hostage negotiation. There are three types of negotiators that you are going to deal with. And I'm going to tell you what all three of them are. And you need to write these down. There's only three guys, not 12, not 25. There's three types of people. The first one is accommodator and accommodator. An accommodator is a salesperson. When you go to an insurance conference, typically you are surrounded by other accommodators. They're friendly, they're outgoing. They are insurance agents. They are salespeople. They love to build relationships. They love the win-win. They want to talk. They wanna be friends. They are social, they're friendly. When they think about time, time equals relationships. They are Bradley Flowers. Bradley Flowers is a time equals relationship guy, okay? They are the easiest to sell to. That's number one. The one problem with accommodators is that they believe silence is anger. That's why salespeople get so upset when prospects ghost them. Because to them, that's, that's an affront to them. I, ha- I hear it all the time from my salespeople. Man, I had this guy, we were talking, and, and he called me back, and we were talking about a policy, and he said yes, and then all of a sudden, he just ghosted me. For an accommodator, that is a bad thing, even though it may very well not be a bad thing. Maybe they're in the hospital with COVID. Maybe something came up. But for us as insurance salespeople, we take it as an affront. Here's number two negotiator you're going to be dealing with in your hostage negotiation situation, an analyst. They are accountants. They are engineers. They they are not in a rush. They're going to take as long as it takes to make a good decision. They're going to be the people that ask tons of questions. They They may actually ghost you. They usually have a monotone voice. Hey, Jessica, this is uh, Stephen Bradley. You called me about uh, some insurance quotes, and uh, I was just calling you back. Uh, How are you doing today? They're very detailed. They hate surprises. You need to have clear data for them to sink their teeth into. They're probably going to get quotes from 15 different insurance agencies, at least three or four, before they make a decision. Might be why they're ghosting you because they're collecting more data in order to make a decision. That is your second hostage negotiation person that you're going to deal with. There's only one more out there, and this is number three. They are assertives. Assertives are alpha males and females. Time is money. They love winning. They never ask. They tell you what you're going to do. It's just business. Here's one I hear from alpha male uh, assertives all the time. Scott, it's not personal. It's just business. It's just business. That's the way they think. Everything is just business. It's never personal. Now, we as accommodators take everything personally. That's why we get upset when we deal with an alpha male assertive or an alpha female assertive. We don't think of it as, hey, it's just business it's always personal for us. Assertives, time equals money. They focus on themselves. They tell, they don't ask. You've got to ask them calibrated questions and you've got to do it in a hurry. And they have to know that you know your shit front to back, back to front. They've got to deal with a Scott Howell. They've got to deal with a Jess Miller. They've got to deal with a David Carruthers because we are the people that can match them in terms of our tonality, understanding, quick response, quick-witted, you know, uh, think on our feet quickly. The people that I'm talking about right now, when you start hearing them say things like that's right, when you start hearing them say things like exactly, that's right you got it. You understand what I need. Blah. blah. When you start hearing those things, you're about to close the sale, ladies and gentlemen. So those are the three types. The accommodator, the analyst, the assertive. Accommodators, time equals relationships. Analyst, time equals preparation. Assertives, time equals money. They're not going to have time to screw with you. Just get me what I want. Boom. Let's do this and game's over. Now, with that being said, guys, I want to ask Jessica Miller, follow up. What is your process?
2: When it comes to following up with clients, I really try to let them drive a lot of that. I try to, I'm more of an accommodator. Um, I think a lot of that, when it comes to accommodator, analyst, assertive, I think you really, as a good agent, you have to be flexible because you're dealing with people Different people every day. So you're going to have people that you need to be an accommodator for. You're going to have people that you need to be assertive for. Um, So I really try to let them drive that. I really do try to let the client do the talking. Let them tell you what they need. When is a good time for me to follow up with you? Because if they say Friday at three o'clock and I call them at Friday at three o'clock and they're not available, then it's on them. They're telling me when to call them. Usually, I I mean, that works to my advantage. I try to let them gauge that and and tell me when's the best time to touch base with them. It may be on a Saturday morning. So I'm that agent that will call them on Saturday morning to finalize, you know, and write the business. But I really do try to give them at least 24 to 48 hours after I send out the quotes. I always send an email thanking them for their time on the phone. I send the quotes however they prefer to send them or receive them. Um, And then I usually wait at least 24, 48 hours um, to call and touch base with them at usually at that point, they've had enough time to look at it or at least analyze it. Hey, I, I saw it come through checking with me in a couple days. You know, it, it usually just it really varies, um, to be honest. Um, but I usually try to give at least a day or two before I touch base with them again. And then it kind of goes from there. We either close it at that point or it's at least another couple of days before we close it.
1: Jess, when you get on that initial phone call, Mm-hmm. These people, doesn't matter which personality type you're in this hostage negotiation situation. In at what point of the conversation, and I'm going to guess it's probably at the end, do you ask them how do you want to be communicated with?
2: Um, that's that's on the upfront of most. I mean, when I ask them about their coverages, what because I, that's part of my initial question is what is your preferred method of contact? Yeah, is it uh-huh. texting, is email the best, is calling you? I mean, they're going to tell you right away. Okay, yeah, I don't do the phone. I don't do, e-, you know, and we still have clients that just prefer to get everything through the mail. You know, you're going to have those people. You know? So I always make that part of my initial, you know, in the first five minutes of the conversation, I try to get that done and taken care of. So I know exactly how I'm going to send out those quotes, how to get them prepared, et cetera.
1: And do you find that, you're able in a few seconds on a phone call to determine which one of these three people you're negotiating with the accommodator, the analyst or the alpha male assertive person or female. I
2: I do. I, I think the, you know, and the longer that you're in this business, you know, we've all been doing this a really long time. I think that if you're a good, successful agent and you really do have a passion for it the way we do and the, the agents listening do, I think that you can gauge that. I think you pick up on things rather quickly about people. OK, this guy is a you know, he's a no BS kind of guy. This is, you know, time is money. He needs me in and out in five minutes. I'm going to get the information I need and get you the quotes ASAP. And then you're going to have, you know, the mom and them's that want to talk about their grandkids and they're going to want to sit on the phone for half an hour. you're going to pick up on that rather quickly. So I, Mm -hmm. yes, I mean, I would say pretty quickly you can pick up on that on who's who.
0: Jess, let me ask you a question. You get somebody on the phone, you presented the quote to them. How do you lean into the close? How do you close?
2: I I really, you know, I don't know that I have anything that I say, like as far as a word track, I've Mm -hmm. never been a big fan of those. I worked for agents before that would literally read off of a, a sheet of paper on their desk. You know, and I'm
0: I'm not really asking, I'm not really asking that. I'm asking, like, hat, like, you've got me on the phone, like, you've presented the quote, and we're in this awkward moment where we're just sitting there. Like, what's the, you know, how do you
1: get the check? Yeah. How do you
0: get the check, Jess? Yeah, give me
2: your money. Okay. So I usually will just say something similar to, well, what's stopping you from doing this today? Because, you know, there's always that hesitation, well, I need to talk to my husband Mm -hmm. or let me check and make sure okay, well, what, what else do we need to do today to get this done? What else do you have questions about that we haven't addressed? You know, and I remember working for one agent in particular that really kind of, uh, he really took me under his wing and helped me become really the agent I am now. I mean, it was the first agent I ever worked for. He's an incredible guy, an incredible agent. And he would always say, you just need to learn when to shut up and let them tell you what they need. And so I really just try to, hey, what else needs to happen today so that mm-hmm. you can decide that you want to do this, that this is the best option for you? Yeah. And you really just let them tell you what they need and they will, or they're going to say, you know what, no, nothing, let's just do it. And yeah. I can't tell you how many times that's actually happened where they've just mm-hmm. said, you know what, I don't, I don't know. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Because it's almost like people are just hesitating and they don't really know why, but they're afraid to make that decision but they have all the information that they need. You've given them the quotes, you've explained everything. So there's really no need for that. So mm-hmm. just letting them talk, it just kind of works itself
1: out.
0: The way that we have found that works pretty well. I, I, I'm of the opinion of when you're presenting quotes to clients, I always try to figure out what they're thinking. You know, it was this meme mm-hmm. on Facebook the other day. That it was like, take the red pill, you get $10 million, take the blue pill, you can read minds. And I was like, man, I'd have a hard time not taking that blue pill. And I think that when we present quotes to customers, and it's one of these that it's it's a good quote, it's better than what they have now, maybe it saves them some money. It's almost too good to be true in a way. I think a lot of times the prospect's brain goes to, that time that agent made them come in and sit in an hour sales presentation at freaking guardian. And really the goal was to sell them life insurance and yeah. here's 35 paper apps. So I think their brain goes to, I bet this is going to be real difficult to swap.
2: Yeah. What's the catch Yeah. Can't be that simple. What's the catch here? It can't mm-hmm. just be, okay, you're going to send me a docu-sign and I just give you my debit card number Yeah. when it is. And yeah, I think you're right. I think you have to kind of condition people because they are used to, okay, well what's the catch here? Is there a down payment or is it going to go up uh-huh. next month or they're always looking for that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So what we do is we lean into that and, and we say something, to the effect of, okay. And in case you're wondering, this is how we get this started. All I need from you, if it's an escrow deal, mm-hmm. all I need from you is the go ahead, your mortgage company name and your loan number. I'll handle everything else. And you're out of the insurance buying business. I say that line, you're out of the insurance oh, buying business. And they're like, long. damn, that sounds really good or we'll say, Hey, look, all I need from you is to go ahead. I need a credit or debit card and I'll get a down payment of this amount, like line it out. We need this. We need this. We need this. We need this. And you're done. And yeah. so that's kind of what I've tried to tell my guys to do is like, like, like tell them how to do business with you. Like tell them how to do it. That's, that's what they're wondering now. Okay. This is going to be difficult or worst case scenario. They're thinking this is going to be difficult or best case scenario. They're wondering, okay, how do I do this? You know, they just yeah. don't want to say it.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of more, more people think that it's more difficult than they realize. I think that yeah. we all are used to that. Well, okay, well, am I going to have to call my other agent and cancel my policies? Are you going to do that? Or what nope, do I need to We'll do? handle that? Yeah. I think that there's just, there's this um, idea in people's heads. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, well, this was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Yep. Because I think that's why people say, oh, I'll wait till my renewal. I don't want to do that now. Because they think it's this huge hassle. So I think that's a good point of just laying it out there and saying, Hey, this is how it needs to be done. But yeah, I just try to keep it keep it simple, stupid is my motto when it comes to that kind of stuff.
1: Hey, Bradley, you just said something I want to touch on that I think a lot of agents may not be implementing in their agency enough. Okay. One of the biggest objections, and folks, listen to what I'm saying right now. Write this shit down. Objections are a lack of confidence. Okay there is something that they are not confident about, Mm -hmm. especially if you take price out of the equation. Now, sometimes the objection is just price where they're paying $875 and you're $1,500. Now, you know, if, if that's going to be the case and that's, you know, if you're limited on the products that you have to, uh, sell. And that, that may ultimately be your demise in terms of this hostage negotiation. But if outside of price, especially times when I hear agents on like insurance suit talking about how, man, I was $890 cheaper than what they're paying. And they still didn't go with me. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something there that they're not confident about. And one of the biggest Things that I noticed when I was selling insurance every day that Personal Lines prospects had the hardest time with was that situation that Bradley just mentioned where they wanted to come with you. They like the price. They love you. They, you've explained everything. But boy, you get down to that mental thing in their head about having to call or send something to their current agency to cancel that policy, because remember, most people do not like uh, confrontation. And mm-hmm. in, in their mind, they're thinking, "Well, my God, if I go with this person, I gotta, I gotta call John Stevens Allstate agency and talk to John about why I canceled this policy. I don't want to do that." Uh-huh. You've got to really make that part of this easy for them. The easier you can make that, and and you need to talk about that, guys. You need to talk about, Bradley, you said it. We'll take care of that for you. I'm not so sure I wouldn't bring that up maybe earlier in the conversation than people do, because I'm telling you, that is something from a prospect's mind that they are really dreading. Bradley, would you like to add to that?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think that a lot of agents get these faxed or emailed cancellations from other agents and they get offended i kind of look at it the same way as i look at we talked about last week at a, a conference scott and i spoke at about you know some of these real estate companies selling insurance now don't take offense to that that's not them trying to make an extra dollar it's not the other agent who sends you the cancellation trying to steal a policy from you they're trying to control the process I think everybody listening to this, regardless of whether you sell commercial, personal, captive, independent, Medicare, health insurance, life insurance, if you're replacing someone's policy, you need to control the process. And it's part of you onboarding that customer, at least offering to cancel their current insurance, air quotes, cancel. Obviously, somebody else has to do that. Get a cancellation form signed, fax to the current agent and then send email proof to the prospect. This is how you prevent it from blowing back up in your face. Okay, Send email proof to the prospect that you sent this cancellation to their agent. And here is why. They are on bank draft. The other agent, their employee is getting paid $9 an hour and does not give a flying flip. If it's canceled or not, they ball it up and throw it away or or special file it, as we called it when I was at Alpha, deleted it. Uh, They special filed it. And guess what? Their draft comes out next month. Guess who they're mad at? They're not mad at their their incumbent agent. They're mad at the guy or the gal that I protect that told them they were going to cancel their policy for them. So you send them proof that you canceled this along with the line of, Hey, Mr. Miss Jones, here's proof that I sent this cancellation. There's a really, really good chance that they're going to call you. There's also a really, really good chance that we may need to follow up on this. Now, a part B to that, if it is a carrier that you have in your agency, get the client to sign a BOR and immediately after that, get the client to sign a cancellation, send the BOR in, send the cancellation in, control the process as much as you humanly possibly can without doing anything illegal or manipulative.
1: Can you send the cancellation form signed by the client as if it's from the client, right? The signed cancellation forms, got the policies on it, you know, to whom it may concern, Mm -hmm. dear XYZ carrier, please cancel policy number 4725397 on June the 13th, 2021. Can you not bypass the agency, the other agency, and send that directly to the carrier to get cancellation? You probably can.
0: Um, I think it would just depend on the carrier and their processes. Probably what they're going to do is they're going to take that when they get it and send it back to the agent and say, Hey, call your client. So my opinion on that, and we've tried that. My opinion on that is that it only, it it only delays the process, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's a carrier you have, which, you know, we're independent, Scott's independent, you know, unless it's a state farm or an alpha or a farm bureau or a, uh, farmers, you know, we have Allstate. I think you have Allstate too. For the most part, it's just, it's a matter of just AOR in it. And here's your cancellation, you know? And what's funny is, is, is these like underwriters and service people that you send those into, they don't really understand business in a lot of cases. And I've had them just be so confused as like, why are you BOR in that? Like, they're just, I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to explain it to you. AOR it and cancel it.
1: Right. Yeah. So guys, listen to me. I'm going to throw some names out here. Chris Paradiso, Cy Young, David Carruthers, Bradley Flowers. You guys, sometimes you don't realize some of these people have been with those guys for years, five, 10, 15 years. And in their mind, through this process of closing out this account, they're thinking to themselves, and I'm talking about the customer now, the the, the the prospect that we're trying to turn into a customer. And somewhere in the back of their mind, I'm telling you, they're thinking, I would rather wrestle a bobcat in a phone booth while I was trying to sandpaper his ass than call Scott Howell after everything Scott's done for me and tell him I'm canceling my insurance. I'm telling you, believe it or not, they're thinking that. And a lot of times, through the course of that sales process and follow-up and going to heading towards close, in their mind, they're thinking, man, I think I'm just going to stay where I'm at because Scott's done a lot for me, Bradley's done a lot for me, and I'm just, man, I, I, I don't want to make that phone call. So you've got to kind of hold their hand through that part of it because if they've been with a really good agency that touches them, reaches out, follows up, handles claims does the things they're supposed to maybe the price is just not right for them and they feel like they need to shop that is going to weigh heavily on them i mean we as insurance agents get a little bit of apprehension about sending a fax or an email to a to another agency about canceling
0: no i enjoy policies. it
1: <laughs> well enjoy that's enjoy i'm so not it. Being
0: fu- i'm not trying to be funny i enjoy it yeah well, i think bradley nailed
2: it i think just my two cents on it. It's just, it comes down to really eliminating any opportunity for rejection and just making the process streamlined and as easy on them as possible. Yeah. I think that that's really what it comes down to. And that's part of what that is. It's just, I can take care of that. We'll handle that for you.
1: Right. Next thing I want to talk about briefly guys, before we get off this podcast today, following up questions, when you've been ghosted, following up questions when somebody's not getting back to you in a timely fashion first thing you need to do not make assumptions that just because they haven't followed up with you the way that you want them to follow up with you that you're out of the picture that's not necessarily the case so here's here's three statements you can make via email via text message these are collaborated questions that will help you with your follow-up number one I'm following up to see if this makes sense. I'm following up to see if this makes sense. Number two is the game changer statement. Hey, I've got something that might be a game changer with your insurance. Can you give me a call and let's talk about it? Okay. That's the game changer statement. I've, I've, I've got something I thought of might be a game changer. Number three, I've got here. I love this so much. People love to give their opinion. Hey, John, I've got something. I want to get your opinion on it. I want to get your opinion on it. All three of those statements are statement questions that you can ask, either text message or email, that may elicit either a response or an email back to you. As I told you on the first podcast that we did with Jess, Chris Voss says, if you want to get a response from somebody by email, you say this. Uh, have you given up on the insurance quotes we discussed? People, mm-hmm. for some reason, psycholo- psychologically. No, I'm not going
0: to give up on it.
1: Have to respond to that. They have Good. to respond to that. That is, that is, That is a subject line email. And these are all three really subject line emails. Hey, I've got something. I need to get your opinion on it. And most people will respond to that. I'm giving you guys some follow-up things here that could help you when you just lose somebody in the Ethernet. Of you've talked, you got them some quotes, now they're not responding back to you. As we said earlier, guys, if you're dealing with an analyst, the accountant, the engineer. Somebody who is in no rush, but they want to make a great decision, you're probably going to get ghosted for a little while because now you're up against two or three or four or five other agents that they're also getting quotes from to try to make the best decision. And it's usually going to be the person that they feel like understands what their needs are and has presented the most clear data as to why going with them would be the best decision. Jess, would you like to add to that?
2: I've, I don't have anything to add to that. I completely agree. I think it really just comes down to reading them and reading what they need. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it on the head.
0: I would rather yeah. swallow a pine cone sober. <laughs> Than sell insurance to an engineer. By the way,
1: that's, that the, that's the funniest thing you've ever every, said. In your life.
0: Everybody, every insurance agent driving down the
1: road listening to this is, is going, "Preach, brother, <laughs> preach! Play the play the,
0: in the background, play the organs in the background." Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'll tell you something: the three personality types that you're going to be in a hostage negotiation with, i.e., selling insurance to. You can actually go listen to the Insurance Guys podcast when we have guests on for the 180 some odd episodes we've done. And you can tell who's an accommodator, who's an analyst and who's a assertive based on their tonality, the way they talk, the things they say. You know, Bradley has a few times gotten people on the podcast that are analysts (laughs) You know, they talk really slow. Hey, Bradley and Scott. Insurance agents from around the world. I like how he says Bradley. From Denver, Colorado. Please welcome John Stevens. John, how are you doing today? Hey, Scott and Bradley. I'm doing great. How are you today? (laughs) So, So good. It's so good to be on the podcast with you today. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Well, that's an analyst, right? That's somebody that's gonna going to take their time. There's, there's That's going to be somebody that's going to take their time in making decisions, and they're going to make very good decisions. And usually they talk like this, and they will ask tons of good questions, and they'll say things like, you know, do you have any data that could back that up? I'll tell you the best thing to do with those people is after you speak to them and while you're in that process of, developing their quotes in addition to their quotes if you can provide added value in the form of news articles or uh, jd powers top 20 homeowners insurance carriers Mm -hmm. for 2020 they're gonna love it they're gonna Mm -hmm. say man this person's giving me data helping me understand how to make a good decision here Those are the types of things that are really going to blow their bell bottoms up. Mm -hmm. Get ready for that. Well,
0: it's like I saw an agent the other day. I think it was an insurance suit that was selling a life insurance policy to someone Mm -hmm. and was competing against, uh, no, that actually wasn't an insurance suit, but was somebody telling me this selling a life insurance policy and competing against another company. And the other company came back cheaper and, Um, He was like, how would you handle this situation? I said, well, the first thing I would do is I would cast out to the underwriting of the other company. It was like 20 bucks a month cheaper, which if you think about how long you're going to have to pay for a life insurance policy, that's a lot of money. And the other company came back cheaper. And I said, I would question the underwriting. Hey, did they put down that you're a smoker? Did they do this? Did they do this? You know, a lot of these companies. They're going to come in and they're going to say you're in perfect health and then hit you after underwriting. And you're like, well, shit, I've already been through this process. I might as well stick to, you know, keep this company because I don't want to go through this again with somebody else. There's that response. And the other one is you, you beat them with data and you pull up financial debt, financial. Wow, I said that really wrong. Financial data from that company and you pull up financial data from the company that you're selling. And you hang your hat on, hey, the most important thing when you're buying a life insurance policy is the strength of the company, not the price. And the reason their price is $20 cheaper is because it looks like they're willing to take those risks, isn't it, Johnny? You know. So I think winning with data is
1: super important. Absolutely, especially with an analyst. Yeah. You know, if you're in a hostage negotiation with an analyst, buddy, you better have your data locked in and be talking – you know, clear data that can show them why they're making a good decision. Guys, before we get off this podcast today, I want to challenge each and every one of you associate agents that are listening to this today, principal agents that are still writing business every day. Andy Frasilla has what is called the 75 hard. If you don't know what that is, go look it up on Google, 75 days, one gallon of water a day. Two exercise regiments for 45 minutes. You have to go on one diet and stick with it every day for 75 days. If you break one of the things on the 75 hard for Andy Frasilla, you would go, it's just like the game Candyland. You go all the way back to the start. Here's my challenge to you today. Let's do the 75 insurance hard. Bradley Flowers, here is the 75 insurance hard. First are we, thing you're are gonna,
0: we are we going to cancel on it twice like Andy Priscilla did to us?
1: Uh, no, we are not. No, Sorry, we are God. not. I couldn't help it. So, I know. So, first thing you're going to do, script out your voicemail that you're going to leave prospects and you're mm. going to practice your tonality and your pitch. Remember what we said in the first podcast. What does Jess sound like? She sounds confident. She sounds like she knows her shit. She sounds like someone that you need to call back. As I told Bradley on that first show, she sounds like that nurse that has your test results that you need to call back. And so when people hear her, they think to themselves, I need to call her back. Mm -hmm. She's somebody I need to talk to. The second thing you're going to do, you're going to script out how to answer callbacks and have a pre-scripted answer to questions. The most commonly asked questions You want to pre-script some of those things. If you've been doing this for 15 years, maybe you don't need to. I don't know. Maybe you want to try some different things that we talked about today and see if they work. Just write some of those things down and try them for 75 days. Third thing and the most important thing, for 75 days, you're going to call 35 prospects a day. On a phone, not passive, not freaking postcards. And that's not that many. That's it's very high. doable, uh, Jess. How long does it take you to call thirty-five a day? Because you know you're leaving about thirty-two voicemails. How many is that? Yeah, I, mean,
2: I have a lot of voicemails, but I try to split it up. I don't do it all at once. Um, but I usually—I mean, it—it. It, I mean, if I were to do it all together, which sometimes I do, but it only takes—I mean, it takes less than an hour, honestly. Less than an
1: hour. I get
2: thirty-five calls because I get the information. If I get somebody on the phone that wants to give me their information, we run a quote for them. Mm-hmm then I'll take that and I'll just keep making five phone calls. And then once I'm done with my 35, you know, I move on and start quoting them. But a lot of voicemails being left, I mean, it really doesn't take very long. No.
1: 35 calls a day for 75 business days is 2,625 phone calls. If you, here, Here's the next step, guys. If you're not getting a 30% callback ratio, you need to tweak your voicemail tone, your vo, voicemail pitch, you need to do something. Go back, to, go back and listen to, to Jess on the first podcast that we did on this. Try to match her tonality, her confidence level, her excitement level. Try to match that when you make these phone calls. Mm-hmm. Don't, do not call and start umming and anding. Um, uh, eh, uh, er. If you do, I'm going to kick your damn ass. Do not start <laughs> umming and anding. I don't okay. want to hear... A bunch of ums and ands when you're leaving voicemails. This is a confident, I know my shit voicemail. Everybody understand that, right? Okay, good. Next thing we're going to do, we're going to track our callback response. We're going to tweak our message. We're going to make 35 calls a day for 75 days. Don't ask, how are you when you get that call back? 75 days leave off the how are you today how are you how's it going how's everything don't do it you're gonna want to do it i know i want to do it you can do it with clients if you've already got their business hey miss jones how you doing today man i've been missing talking to you i'm glad you called me i was just thinking about you do not do that with prospects ladies and gentlemen don't freaking do it next thing Tweak scripts if you're not closing at least 45% of your callbacks. So you're getting 100 calls, 30% callback would be somewhere 20 to 30 calls you're getting back. If you're not closing 45% of that business, you're going to need to tweak something. There's something you're doing wrong as an independent agent. If you're a captive agent, you should have a formula for Maybe you've only got one product to sell, but there's got to be a formula somewhere that a sales manager can tell you of what the average uh, bind quote-to-bind ratio is in your area for agents your size. And if Susan Smith down the street's closing forty, you know, let's say thirty-five percent of their captive agency business, and you're writing with the same carrier and you're only closing fifteen, something's wrong. You got to figure that out. Okay. I don't care how you have to do it. If you got to get your sales manager involved, get your sales manager involved and figure out why, when you call a prospect 2,625 to be exact, why aren't you closing 45% of your business? Last but not least, listen to your own calls. See where you can get better. You've got 2,000 625 calls over 75 hard days to listen to yourself at least on one or two calls a week. Listen to your voicemails. How do they sound? Listen to some of these callback calls. How do they sound? Where can you get better? If you will do all of that, and I forgot to mention, your scripting of your voicemail tone and pitch should be taking you somewhere between 35, 40 minutes to do that one time and then tweak as necessary. You're scripting out of all the problems, questions, things that you're gonna hear. When you get that call back, may take you a couple of hours to sit down and write down all those questions. If you've been doing this for 15 years, you may know this shit front to back and you may not have to take that much time. But there needs to be some time spent on what are the most common questions I get and what are the best answers to give them when they do call back how am i going to follow up all of those things mm-hmm. 75 insurance hard if you'll do it for 75 days and not skip a day and make 2625 calls your sales will increase and you will be a better insurance agent and if they and don't you, you make, probably need to get out of the business and you will make a you will make more money you yeah. will make a lot of money i am giving you guys the playbook again The speech making's over. It's now time to teach people how to sell insurance. And that's exactly what we've done today. Mm -hmm. Jess, leave us with something today. What you got for them?
2: I love all of what you just said. I was just going to add on to that. I mean, we are creatures of habit. So if what you're doing and when you're calling these people and you're not getting that return that you want, change what you're saying. You can't expect to do the same thing and get the same, you know, or get different results. You've got to change it up. And it's taken me my entire career to figure out where am I sweet spot is and how I need to sound on the phone and what I need to say and when I need to shut up and let them talk. My one piece of advice that I will end this with, and this is something that I have taken with me my entire career here. When you're calling people, smile while you're talking on the phone.
0: Yes, I know it
2: sounds very simple and it might look silly, but people can hear you smiling on the phone when you call. It comes across in your voice, in your tonality, like what Scott was saying earlier. Smile when you're calling these people. This is your livelihood. This is what you love doing. If it's not, like Brad said, get out of the business. But if you're enjoying this and you want to learn from it, smile when you're calling these people. This is, this is the way that you're going to make it happen. So just simply smiling when you're calling them makes a huge difference.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess one year, about 2013, I believe it was. Nationwide Insurance invested, I don't know how many thousands of dollars, but they sent their entire agency force desk mirrors. It mm-hmm. was a flat mirror and it had kind of a curve down at the bottom that flattened out on the desk. And it sounds like the most on-
0: Mike Stromso thing I've ever heard.
1: I know, right? Yeah, it is. That is the most Mike Stromso thing ever. And you could set it on your desk and the purpose was to do exactly what you just said. When you're calling prospects, you look at yourself and make sure you're smiling when you call them. Like I'm smiling right now, and my tone when I smile is so much different than when I'm sitting here talking like this. Now I'm I've got my business Scott voice on, and I sound like I'm pissed off. And hey, how are you doing, Miss Jones? It's good to hear from you today. So though that is a unbelievably great point to end this show on today guys i'm here for one reason and one reason only because when i'm 68 years old one day one of you some bitches is gonna pull up in my driveway and hand me a check for one million dollars and say scott i just sold my agency for a hundred million dollars and i did it because you showed me how to do it and that's what i'm here for that's 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 it right there guys that's the end game Thank you so much for being a part of our family. Jess, I love you very much. You do a fantastic job for us, and I really appreciate you being on here. Now, here's my next challenge, Bradley Flowers. The next time we do this in the not-too-distant future is going to be with David Carruthers, and we are going to talk about commercial insurance sales, and we're going to go through the same thing that we just went over. We're going to talk about getting to the gatekeeper. And when the gatekeeper answers the phone, Scott says, so you're the one that really runs shit around here. I'm glad I got you on the phone. I need to talk (laughs) to John. We're going to talk about those kinds of things. We're going to talk about what to say when we get to gatekeepers. We're going to talk about always using prospects' first names when we call businesses and act like we're their best friend from high school so we actually get on the phone with them. Those are going to be the things we talk about when we get David Carruthers on here and I get him fired up, and he starts wanting to run through a damn run-through like high school football, and I look forward to that. Guys, as I always say, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world. Make calls. Do the 75 insurance hard for 75 days. Tweak. Do what you can to, to make more money for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund for your parents that are struggling out there, get to know these two podcasts front to back. If you sell personal lines insurance and go make a shit pile of money for Scott Howell, do it for me. If not for anybody else, Bradley flowers. I love you, brother. Thanks
0: man. Thanks Jess.
2: Thank you guys.
1: Jess. We love you too. And guys, thank you so much for listening to the insurance guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. And we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at the or email me at scott at And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at Bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.